Today, I talked to a man who struggled with an eating disorder for six years. We typically think of eating disorders as something that affects women, and generally we don't acknowledge the types of experiences men who have eating disorders have. So that's why this episode is very important. Now, it's also important to realize that eating disorders exist on a spectrum that includes disordered eating. It includes going on a crazy extreme diet and then ending that diet, then diet hopping over to another diet. All of this is a form of disordered eating. So I'm sure you will resonate with parts of this episode today. So my guest, his name is Christoph or Metabolism Recovery on Instagram. And today he talks about eating disorders, health at every size, and all of those things. And we're going to have more of a discussion on those topics on my YouTube channel here on the podcast to discuss the science. Because let's just be honest, HAES is just such a cringe topic. It's the worst slogan, and the science that's being used to uh, back it doesn't support the slogan at all. But nevertheless, we do talk about the role of weight gain in recovering your metabolism and how you can, I guess, cope with all of that because people have a hard time getting out of the diet trap because they're afraid of weight gain. They're afraid of all their symptoms coming back. And the worst thing you can do is continue to assault your metabolism by going on a restrictive diet. So that's what today's episode is about. And before we roll the intro, just a quick announcement. It is the holidays, so it's a great time to relax and stop stressing out. And a great way to do that is, of course, to read my book, How You're Meant to Eat. This book is a must-have for anyone who's struggling with getting out of disordered eating or is just confused about what to eat and wants an original perspective. So without further ado, let's roll that intro. It's time to stop being confused about health. It's time to embrace the timeless truths about health. It's time to look it in, and it's time for balance. It is time to learn to eat like a normal person. Oh yeah, and don't forget, kale sucks, and an all-meat diet is going to kill you a lot faster than a normal diet. All right, so I'm here with my guest, Christoph from metabolismrecovery.com. Did I get that right? Yes, I did. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so there aren't a lot of people talking about metabolic recovery right now. Maybe you know some people. I haven't been looking, but it's not the most commonly discussed topic. Everybody's just talking about how intermittent fasting and keto and eating rocks is the best thing ever. So, Let's just briefly talk about your background a little bit because it takes something for someone to actually talk about this. You know, something has to kind of happen to someone. So could you just run me through, I guess, briefly, because, you know, everybody's got their story. They can talk for a long time about it. But just the basics, what was your, I guess, initial interest in health, fitness, and then how did you get to where you are today? Well, you know, Growing up, I was always really interested in fitness and health and especially nutrition. So that kind of led me to experimenting with a lot of diets. You know, I'm always like, I like, I'm really big into N equals one experiments and play around with that. So uh, basically I've tried almost any diet out there. So uh, whether it be like low fat bodybuilding diet and paleo, keto, carnivore, um, I guess I've never really, uh, done vegan except i did the potato diet for a few weeks so that's basically just eat potatoes which is not the smartest idea but so basically my um my first really intense diet was my senior in high school and that was a diet that ended up leading to me developing an eating disorder that I actually had for six years and i finally was able to recover recently but um you know it was I went through quite the journey trying to figure out um, explaining the symptoms I was experiencing and trying to, you know, solve my health issues. And it's kind of ironic that a lot of the diets that I went on, most of them were actually to fix the symptoms that I was experiencing because of my initial diet to lose weight. So, but I, um, yeah, so that's basically where I'm now. Uh, since I recovered, I started sharing some of my information online and I got a lot of good feedback. So uh, I was really appreciative of that. But yeah, I uh, yeah I saw your Instagram. You, you're posting some good stuff on there about 
the science behind eating disorders and you seem really passionate about that. So yeah, six years is a long time to have an eating disorder. Let's get to that in a second. But what diet did you go on that was it just like a really restricted diet? Like how did like how did that happen? Yeah, so my initial diet was um me and my friends were trying to get really lean for our senior trip at the beach. So we basically just got a standard bodybuilding diet online. And keep in mind, we were already really in really good shape. Like we were athletes. We did not need to lose weight at all. We probably looked better before the diet. But so overnight, we went from I was eating almost 4,000 calories to eating less than 2,000. And, you know, I dropped weight really fast. And, in fact, I can still remember like a few months into the diet, me and one of my buddies were – sitting in his kitchen and he mentioned to me that he was having like in- insane cravings for peanuts. Like he couldn't stop thinking about peanuts. And I remember I was supposed to la- laughing about it cause I was having the exact same experience, but like I didn't want to tell anybody cause I thought it was kind of uh, crazy cause that was the first time I experienced that, that food can have that, that control over you. And then, so I guess fast forward to our senior trip, uh, all my buddies decided to quit their diet, but I wanted to continue it because I had another trip coming up in a few weeks, but I didn't make it through that because, you know, midway through the trip, while all my friends were on the beach, I found myself, I was staring into the fridge, looking at all the food that was there, like trying to fight the urge to binge on it. And, you know, I, I stopped, I was pacing back and forth in the apartment. And then before I knew it, I was, I was eating a bowl of spaghetti and another bowl, another bowl. And I, until I was sick. And that was the first time that I had a binge and I was confused more than anything be honest because that was the first time in my life where it seems like I had a goal or something that I wanted to do or not do and I wasn't able to do it like I felt like I lost all my willpower which was confusing to me but and I guess at that time I had I I had two options you know I could have quit the diet and started eating normally again and or I could have went back on the diet and doubled down and make sure it didn't happen again and I chose the second option and mm-hmm. I think that's where really what led to my eating disorder is that um, because if you think about the that initial reaction in cravings from food, I mean, that's that's just your body's natural reaction to starvation. And if I go back, I would tell myself that at the time, but I wasn't really aware of that. I didn't I didn't really know that just simply dieting can create those kinds of thoughts and cravings about food. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting is First of all, that you talking about eating disorders as a male. So can you speak to me for a second about are is eating disorders just a female thing or is there like a silent epidemic of men having this, these exact problems? Well, I would say, I mean, there's definitely a lot of males that experience it as well. I, th- I still think it is more common in females. And the reason why is that for males, we all, we tend to have like a, um, two goals simultaneously, like uh, gaining muscle and losing fat. So we're never completely, it's rare that we're completely in losing fat mode. Cause I know even when I was always restricted dieting, I always had in the back of my mind, like have to eat enough protein or like um, to maintain the muscle or always had like this slight fear of losing muscle that, that kept me from, you know, dieting year round. And Mm. as well as a lot of guys in like the bodybuilding uh, sphere, they, they tend to have at least some period where they're actually gaining weight, trying to gain muscle. When a lot of females, they tend to just stick with restriction year round. But yeah, it's definitely, I definitely think there are a lot more males that are experiencing this than, um, than you see out on in the media. Yeah. That, that's a really interesting observation. Women tend to care more about being skinny rather than muscular. And that could lead to more, starvation related problems so after that what like what was your eating disorder were you diagnosed with something was was it uh was it just a bunch of different random diets like what what kind of did you go through after that yeah so following that initial binge i went back on a diet uh i was even more strict with it and that's when i started doing more intermittent fasting and so i stuck with that again for another few months and then i ended up binging again and then from there, it just gets, uh, it turns into a cycle where you're um, restricting and then binging and then restricting and binging. And it gets slowly more and more frequent until, you know, a few years in, I was, I was at the point where I got to where I was almost binging every night. And 
doing what I could to try to compensate for that with exercise and whatnot. And then, I mean, every now and then I would switch on a new diet and get a lot of hope and motivation from it. Like, Oh, this is the, this is going to be the one that's going to figure it out. And I would have enough motivation to stick with it for months. And then eventually something would happen. Uh, I would binge and, and it would, it was, it would start to go downhill from there. So, and that's during that period is when I was trying to, you know, heal, heal my symptoms. So I, I went on all those diets that I mentioned earlier for some period mm-hmm. at that time. And, you know, for a while I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism around the time that I had developed my eating disorder. And that also makes me question whether like the hypothyroidism, I mean, it has to be related in some way, but at the time I thought that all my symptoms were because of my hypothyroidism, that all I had to do was, you know, take medication to cover up the, to in my metabolism would be back to normal, but you can't just, I've come to learn, you can't really just take this exogenous uh, hormones and expect all your symptoms to go away if you're not dealing with the actual uh, root cause of not eating enough, you know, because you're, I mean, there's all of your hormones are so interconnected that just, just taking replacement thyroid hormone, is not going to, you know, replace the leptin. Uh, that's also really important for your metabolism. But yeah, so I went on all those diets and then eventually I also ended up developing um, bulimia and that, you know, it, it, I, it's kind of confusing when I tell people this, but at the time it was like, it was an actual rational decision to try to purge because in the instance I was binging almost every day and it was getting really hard to deal with the aftermath of the binges, you know, like being completely full all the time, bloated. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, so one day I decided I'm going to try to uh, purge and I did. And then, you know, I just, just became more and more habitual from there uh, until I got to the point towards the end of my eating disorder where I was actually really like, like it sounds, I'm not trying to brag about how good I was at, at purging, but like, I think it's kind of scary to think how easy it is to hide, hide the fact, but I was able to go and like at a restaurant, eat like 3000 calories, I go to the bathroom and without any hands, just throw up in the bathroom, uh, wash my mouth out and like silently, and then go back to the dinner table and be back in five minutes and no one ex- would expect a thing. So you became an expert at, at purging. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and when I originally was attempted the purging, you know, I thought like, Oh, if I could figure this out, then all my problems would be solved really. But you know, I wouldn't have to worry about feeling really bad after eating. Uh, you know, I could still maybe maintain a lower weight if, I mean, I still had those goals and, but I come to find it, you know, it comes with all its other problems as well. You know, it's, it's not like you, um, it becomes a thing where every day you have to go and you have to go and like binge and you have to, you know, hide that from all your friends and family. And yeah. So at some point I decided like that was it, I'm just going to attempt recovery. And that's when I started getting more into the metabolism recovery aspect of, of where my journey. So. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank, thanks for sharing all that, that this will resonate with a lot of people because people find out about new diets they can go on to heal their symptoms from their previous diet and continue the cycle. And right now, I think there are a lot of people complaining about digestive issues from a carnivore diet, and then they try eating plants or vegans who are really sick, and then they try to go carnivore. And it's really hard for people to get out of the whole cycle of dieting. And another thing that I just want to highlight is trying to trying to um, compensate for eating an excessive amount of food through any kind of method that you can find, whether it's purging, whether it's intermittent fasting. Uh, For me, it was at first trying to eat fewer carbohydrates, but then I would end up binging on like really fatty foods, which actually led to purging because then I felt really sick afterwards when I was 17. So, you know, I've, I've experienced what you've experienced to an extent. And I think I personally think there is a silent epidemic of men today um, who are really suffering from this type of thing. So another thing I, you mentioned that I want to segue into is the hypothyroidism, because a lot of people who go on diets end up with hypothyroidism or adrenal problems. So what did you learn about 
met- metabolic damage as you started to come out of this, choose recovery, and start doing more research on on uh, healing. Yeah, so you're definitely right. This is, you know, people in the dieting, actually people in general, especially women, and I know some men, but they developed hypothyroidism actually pretty young age. It's been kind of an epidemic, but if you look online, a lot of people having issues even after they start taking thyroid medication, their symptoms of, you know, hypothyroidism uh, are not going away. And then there's lots of blogs about this. For instance, there's one like Stop Thyroid Madness. But I used to read all kinds of books on, you know, thyroid trying because I thought that was my main issue. So I was trying to figure it out. And, you know, some of the advice is to eat like the autoimmune paleo diet. Uh, I guess the theory is that if like your body's reacting to certain foods and it's causing your hypothyroid symptoms. And, you know, I followed that for a while. And it really didn't benefit me uh, at all. Like I still had the symptoms and also experiment with all kinds of different medications. For instance, there's T4, which is like the standard thyroid hormone. And then there's T3, which is the active thyroid hormone. And that's, I mean, it's, uh, it's rarely prescribed, but actually, I was pretty desperate, so I actually ordered T3 over the internet from uh, some foreign country to experiment with that. So for a while, I was taking T3 only in an attempt to get rid of my symptoms, and that really just still didn't work. And, you know, I've come to find out that it's because your hormones are all interconnected that you can't just, you know, cover it up, but... Yeah. Yeah. So what did you, uh, yeah. Okay. So what do you think metabolic damage is then for people who go through a chronic period of restriction? I mean, I definitely can see what you're saying that one hormone can't fix everything when the true, when it's, it's like a symptom of something else, you know, so it's not going to work for everybody. Um, what is metabolic damage? Yeah. I mean, I, I like to think of it more as like metabolic adaptation because I, I, I don't think that it's actually, it's, it's damaged because like damage would imply that this, whatever caused the issue is gone and the problem remains. But for a lot of people, the, they're, they're still restricting. That's why they're still having issues. But it, for a lot of people, it seems that they might not be restricting anymore because uh, in order to recover, you almost have to, it's often, you have to gain more weight than you originally did. And, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck in what I like to consider like metabolic purgatory. So it's kind of like right before they're about to get to the weight they need to recover, they kind of, they usually stop and either start dieting again or they, because they think that once they get back to the weight that they were before they dieted, then they should be recovered. Um, and that seems to, I mean, and that tends to lead people to, you know, end up yo-yo dieting and developing issues from that but i mean as far and a lot of people in recovery they try to minimize fat gain as well which is problematic in itself because a lot of the hormones that are necessary for to recover your metabolism are actually in your or created by your fat cells like so the main the most important one be leptin and so that brings me, I guess, to reverse dieting. So a lot of people there's in the bodybuilding area that there's the idea of reverse dieting where you, you know, you slowly increase your calories to, to try to minimize fat gain. And while I was deep into eating disorder, that's when I originally wanted to recover from that. I decided to follow a reverse diet. And by the time you're in an eating disorder, I don't think it's best to try to to try to minimize fat gain while you're recovering because you need to try to get your metabolism up as fast as possible so you can, you know, get back to proper health. But Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things for people to realize is that they might just have to gain weight. And, you know, that comes with all kinds of uh, identity issues where people feel like, you know, people are going to perceive them differently, body dysmorphia and stuff like that. And um, it's part of, I guess, the psychological recovery that goes along with it. Um, do you think, and I really like what you said, that it's not a damage, it's more of an adaptation, which means that you can indeed um, rec- like permanently recover. 
So my question for you then is, because it seems like people who do yo-yo dieting, it gets harder for them or bodybuilding competitions. It gets harder and harder for them to actually lose weight. And whether uh, there's studies in adolescents who diet, finding that these people end up gaining more weight over time than their non-dieting peers. So is it the case that you can't really lose weight after, uh, you know, years and years of chronic dieting? Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely true that the first diet you go on is by far the easiest. And that was definitely the case for me. Then after that, you know, it gets to the point where you have to be more and more extreme with it. And, and this goes to more like also to that idea of the, um, you know, not not reaching that, being stuck in that, that yo-yo dieting uh, area right before you're about to recover your metabolism. So uh, if, you, if you're constantly yo-yo dieting, your body weight set point can slowly start creeping up. And I think a lot of that too is, um, you know, the initial change that you see from dieting where it's harder to lose weight after the fact, I think is more with your physiology. But I think after a period of time when you constantly attempt a bunch of different diets and keep on failing, then at, at some point, a lot of that uh, extra weight that you slowly add is it's, it's because you're, you're, you get ingrained in these habits with, uh, you know, dieting and then, then going, falling off of the bandwagon and, and going crazy for uh, months at a time with food. And, you know, the, the, the more often you fail at, at diets, the, the harder it is for you to stick for on a diet long-term. So you get to the point where you're, you start off with your dieting periods are way longer than your, your feeding periods after you binge. But then at, eventually you get to the point where you're only able to, to stick with a diet for a few months at a time and then, or a few weeks at most, and you end up being off of the diet for a long period. So it's just not sustainable. So it ends up, people just end up gaining weight from it. Yeah, no, I mean, so, so after you gain weight from the refeeding, from the binging and whatnot, there, there's a big debate here, and I, I personally haven't figured out the biology of this yet. I find it really interesting. But is it possible to lose that weight again? Because your body is getting more and more resistant to losing weight. The diets are getting harder. Like you said, you can only last a few weeks before, you know, psychologically you just can't anymore. Do you believe that after all that weight gain, it it is still possible somehow, some way, to conquer biology, to conquer the set point going up and actually lose weight again one day? Actually, or do people just have to accept that like, okay, no, you're going to be, you're going to be more heavy now for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, while I think it's important to, to first accept that you could be at that weight for the rest of your life and be okay with that. I think that's an important step to recovering your metabolism. I will also say that yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, pretty common that people do lose weight after the fact. In fact, if you look at the Minnesota starvation experiment, so people don't know about that. They basically took 36 guys in the 1940s and for six months, they basically semi-starved them. So it's, they cut their calories in half and, you know, they experienced a lot of the symptoms that we see with uh, eating disorders and people with suboptimal metabolisms. And when it came time to read feed, they, actually gained um, uh, a certain percentage over what their original weight was. And most of that was body fat. And, and actually it took them eight months into uh, the refeed for them to reach their maximal weight. Uh, and then from there for the next few months, they actually slowly started losing weight until they reached, they went right back to their original weight and body fat levels. And, you know, uh, it's the mechanism behind this is is not certain uh, for sure, but you know it it's definitely has to do with your your body finally you know reaching that point where it's it realizes that it it's has abundance and it's ready it can you know slowly start to to lose some of that weight again and you know that that takes a really long time for that to occur but 
Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, that definitely happened with me uh, when I first recovered my metabolism. You know, I basically recovered from my eating disorder around this new year, so 2019. Um, and for the first few weeks, I gained, uh, for the first month, I almost gained like 20 pounds. And like from there, it's just been really a slow decrease. Um, so around that time, I was around 200 pounds. Now I'm around um, about 185, but this is about, this is like the perfect weight for me. I feel best at this weight. And I mean, I'm definitely not as lean and ripped as I was when I was at, in my extreme dieting phase, but it's just like, I feel much better at this weight, but yeah. A lot yeah. Of, that's really yeah. interesting uh, information. Yeah. I, I asked you because I've heard someone else, you might've heard of this guy, Matt Stone. Um, he used to write uh, books on like refeeding and stuff. Uh, he says, I don't, I don't know if it's possible to lose weight after recovery. Um, for me personally, yeah, I was able to slowly, it's like really, really slow. I, I got back down to where I was in 2013 when I was, uh, lifting extensively and dieting, but with much less muscle mass and much more body fat, but like the weight I was back to that, and I was, I was relatively lean and healthy, but before that I was a lot heavier. I was, I was 180, like three. And that, then I got down to like 158, um, from doing nothing basically from just stopping exercising. Um, and, uh, so I do think it might be possible, but it's more important for people to accept the brutal fact that they could be at this heavier weight for the rest of their life. And until people do that, they might suffer all kinds of, uh, metabolic issues so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about exercise because um, I know you said you used to be an athlete and how did, does that play into this whole metabolic adaptation or damage thing? Yeah, I th you actually cut out for just a second. I, I couldn't completely hear the question. Oh, sorry. I said um, let's talk about heavy exercise, intense exercise. How does that play into metabolic adaptation and what did you notice about that? I mean, how does that add to the whole caloric restriction and dieting when it comes to um, affecting your metabolism? Yeah, so uh, towards the end of my eating disorder, like actually while I had it, you know, I've always been in really into strength training, but I got really into, you know, really intense strength training. I was trying to reach, you know, uh, powerlifting goals. I'm not, I'm not, I don't compete in powerlifting, but um, I was trying to get a 600-pound deadlift at the time. And so that led me to do some really intense, uh, lifting. And I just, you know, at that time I was probably the most tired I ever was, um, when it came to, to training and, you know, see, you see a lot online that, you know, the talking like people, uh, advising against cardio when it comes to, you know, metabolism training. And even it's even been popular, been common in like all like the alternative health, even the, the same people who suggest like more strict diets, they tend to, you know, kind of advise against cardio now, but, and they tend to suggest that, you know, strength training is good for anybody at any time because it's according to them, it's not nearly as stressful as cardio is. And it, but the problem is it's stressful is just in different ways. So, um, the, for instance, the, a lot of people don't realize how like straining that, uh, you know, strength training like that can be, for instance, like elite powerlifters who, who, uh, deadlift in competition, they'll take up to three weeks off at a time. I mean, before their competition for their body to fully recover, um, for the powerlifting meet. So the fact that they have to take three weeks off after their, uh, you know, just from their lifts in order to fully recover, like shows you how, how draining and taxing that can be on your nervous system. Um, in fact, like I, I noticed this as well when I was, you know, when I was attempting like, uh, personal records, like, uh, PRs at, at first I would only wait like five days before, uh, lifting but then I kept on like failing at it. So then I ran into a guy, this older guy at the gym, and he told me that I should to take like two weeks off before I attempted. And I thought he was crazy. I thought I would lose like all my strength, all my muscle in that time. But when I went to attempt it, it was like my body was 
much stronger. And it was, it was odd because I couldn't tell uh, subjectively that I was more recovered than I was before, but just that extra time, like gave, like gave my body more time to, to fully recover. So I'm just saying if uh, don't, you can expect, like, don't expect that weight training won't give you any of the issues, you know, associated with overtraining. Um, I know you like, you talk a lot about Han Selye's like stress response. And I definitely noticed this as well. Like over time, getting more and more intense with my training, I began to get a lot less resilient to the, you know, to the, to workouts. I had to wait longer and longer in between workouts in order for me to get stronger. And is a, so recently I decided to start kind of take a break from, you know, training in general, just to see, let my body kind of finally recover, uh, let my nervous system recover basically. But. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's actually quite refreshing to hear. I, I kind of forgot about how long you actually have to wait until your body's ready to uh, have a personal best or personal record at lifting. Because for me, it was uh, a, a year and a half ago where I just took off from the gym. I just quit the gym and I only did outdoor workouts. And the maximum I was lifting was maybe like 40, 50% of my one rep max, like outdoor uh, logs and stuff. And uh, that I think created a process of recovery for me that allowed me to lose some of the stress weight as I call it. But it is pretty interesting that people who promote paleo and, and a lot of diets out there and alternative people, they, they talk about how amazing sprinting HIIT is. And it's this rhetoric as well as um, people in strength training circles that I followed that made me afraid of doing cardio, like even going for a jog, because I was afraid that my muscles would turn into slow twitch muscle fibers and I'd lose all my speed and power. And it was crazy. So I started just doing more jogging and my and uh, boxing and stuff like that. And my, my cardiovascular endurance has gone up so much um, now. But what, what I want to focus more on is, yeah, like the heavy lifting can, like you said, it, it took you longer and longer to recover. And for me, sometimes I make the mistake if I take a lot of days off, I get too excited and push myself too hard in a workout. And then I wake up more tired the next day because I still have some existing issues. So I think it's really important for people to think about um, how this can stress you out. So uh, your process of recovery, I want I want to talk about that. Um, what kinds of things did you do then to recover from six years of, of an eating disorder? Yeah, well, first I'll say that <clears throat> recovery it's simple, but it's definitely not easy. And it actually, once I decided to recover, it took me quite a while to actually successfully do it. So, um, one of the big issues I had when I started finally eating more food, like for instance, last summer was when I originally attempted like a complete full recovery. And at that time I was following the carnivore diet and I weighed around maybe 170, and you know, I just started eating all normal food again, but I gained in 24 hours, I gained at least 10 pounds of water weight and I had really intense, uh, edema. So, uh, not like within two days, none of my clothes fit. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Wow. Yeah. So, and I was, I was going to work and like a few people mentioned like, like, Oh, you look like you look like swollen. Are you allergic to something? I was like, and I'm, I'm not mad at them or anything. Cause I mean, I did look like, I did look like I got, I got like stung by bees or something. So I was like, yeah, not not only that, but also the digestion problems and just really intense bloating. So like that kind of threw me off because you know the whole like the whole idea of the carnivore and even paleo is the idea that your body can't handle certain foods. So whenever you go to recover and start eating normal foods again, and your body reacts like that, then it becomes really confusing, and you start to think, okay, then well, they're probably right. You know, like I've, my body's just I'm not meant to eat these foods. So, so that, I mean, that was, that, that was like the cause of my initial failure to find, to recover my metabolism. And it wasn't until like six months later after that, then I was, um, I was, I got fed up enough that I was like, okay, well, my body might not be able to handle these foods, but I need to at least give it a, a good enough shot. So, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So hold up. So, uh, because this is a common problem that's happening now, I'm seeing it all the time. 
people eating potatoes or rice or something after a carnivore diet and getting a lot of weird symptoms. So do you think some of the uh, this swelling you had was some kind of inflammatory reaction because of the carnivore diet causing some re, um, inability, intolerance to plant foods that wasn't even there before? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a good possibility. But I mean, like, there's no way to know for sure. But I will say that um, I didn't, in like, a few more times I did attempt to recover short term like that. And in those times, I weren't, wasn't following like a carnivore or keto. And I had less of a reaction, which could indicate that my body was uh, from that period of avoiding certain foods, my body became sensitive to them. But it also could just be that, you know, when you're on carnivore and keto, you naturally have less water weight to begin with. So the chain, the increase could be just greater, but yeah. Yeah. So it could have just been water weight as well. Um, I guess I thought that cause someone commented that you look like you were stung by bees, <laughs> which could indicate like some kind of allergic look. Yeah. Um, can we back up for a minute? Let's talk about the carnivore diet. How did you feel on the carnivore diet? I mean, isn't eating meat the best way to get carnitine and just be like a mitochondrial super beast? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, this is a, I have an interesting take on, you know, diets in general. So I think that, you know, there's two aspects that there's like recovery and performance and actually felt good on most diets that I've been on, which is ironic. Like, even though I had symptoms, I might physically feel good, but this also goes back to that, you know, the, the, the stress response. Like I could have just been in a phase where my body is, um, it's, it's, it's an adaptation phase where it's, where it's happy, where it's at, but then that can't last forever. But, you know, I'm at the point now where just because a diet makes you feel good and you can perform good on it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's what you need for, you know, proper health. And because for instance, on like carnivore, I could, I was really strong on carnivore diet, but my digestion was horrible. I was only going to the bathroom maybe once a week. Um, I had a low sex drive. Um, so all these things that are really important, um, that are obviously good indicators of health weren't there. So I think it's, uh, there's that this myth out there where like the diet that makes you feel gives you the most energy is also the diet that's best for your long-term health. And I definitely don't think that's true. Like, in fact, when I, I follow like the one, one meal a day for quite a while, that's where you see one meal of the day. And, you know, I felt, I feel great in my fasting period. Uh, but only in the fact that I had more energy and mental, mental clarity. But when it, when it came to all like those other important things, like I was, I didn't, I was really antisocial when I was on that. Oh, I, I, I was more like a robot. I was like, it's, it's kind of odd, but, and mm. so yeah, it's, there's, there's more than one aspect to, to health and it's kind of simplistic when people just say that whatever you feel best on is the one that best for your long-term health. Because I think if you follow that long enough, you'll eventually find that, that even the energy will start to go away, which it start started to go away from me towards the end. Um, yeah. How long were you on it? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's hard. I think keto was, I was on keto the longest. So that, probably around two years, I was did keto uh, pretty much on and off, but mainly I st- stuck with it. And I did carnivore for about that, about a summer. So that was that, that last, last summer. And I actually got into like raw carnivore for a little bit. And yeah, so I'll just buy packs of ground beef at Trader Joe's raw and eat that in the park during my lunch break, which was really, yeah, that's, that's delicious. Yeah. I've, I've ate raw ground beef during break as well. A few times in my youth. Um, that's really important point. There's so many parameters to our health and we could feel good in one area, but in another area, maybe we can't perceive as readily what's really happening. Um, okay. So you, the other carnivore diet. Okay. So then you had these symptoms after you tried to recover, you gained a lot of water weight, 10 pounds in, in a day. And then you felt, Oh, maybe I'm not ready to recover yet. 
when did you start to recover then? And what did you do to kind of push through all the the mental roadblocks? Yeah. So at at that point when I initially failed at recovery because of edema, I got, I decided, okay, like I'm, I'm going to stick with this restrictive diet for now, but I'm not, I'm not going to limit my calories and eat as much as I want. So for the next few months, I actually gained a lot more weight until, you know, six months later, that's when I started eating, attempted to eat normally again. And I had far less reaction uh, in edema during that attempt. And this, I guess this kind of brings me to the edema aspect. And one observation that I've had is that, you know, the, the lower you are below your set point, the more extreme your edema is going to be. And the higher you are to the set point, the better your digestion and everything works. So I think that's a second time when I was recovering, I was closer to where my uh, healthy weight for my body. So, you know, my, my digestion was working more smoothly and, uh, my body was more able to handle the fluid fluctuation. So at that point when I recovered, I didn't experience nearly the, uh, the same issues that I had before, but actually for the first few weeks, I actually lost, started to lose, uh, body, I mean, water weight at first. And then, and then my weight was still increasing, but it started, I lost a lot of water weight and then, then my the weight started increasing a little bit, but I will say like the time right before I recovered, that was when I used a, a good bit of, uh, I was using, I was, that was when I was really big into bulimia and I got to the point where I had edema even when I wasn't recovering. So the, the constant uh, water fluctuations from, you know, the, the purging, it, it just messes with your fluid balance. So your body tries to overcompensate by holding on to more water. So it, it became to the point where like I had edema when I wasn't even uh, re- recovering like while I was restricting. So there's, um, yeah, in fact, I found a picture recently. It, it was during that time and I actually weighed a lot less than I do now, but my face was a lot puffier because I had, I was holding on to a lot more water, but now I weigh at least 10 pounds more, but my face tends to be a lot, uh, hold on to a lot less water than at the time, but yeah, that's fascinating because I, I've got some old pictures of me from 2013 when I was not eating a lot of salt. And I think my face looks a bit puffier than it does now, um, even though I'm fatter now. Um, it's practically speaking here, your recovery plan was what? Just to eat more calories? Yeah, just listen to my hunger signals and not restrict, not restrict any foods. Except I am of the opinion that if a food gives you, if you stick eat a food for a while and gives still gives you digestive problems, there's no point in you know eating it. I think that like the goal is to become like a normal eater, you know. And I think norm like most people, if they eat a food and it obviously gives them problems, like if you're if someone's lactose intolerant, it, it's 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 kind of silly to be dogmatic and say you just still drink milk, but. Um, so, and then also this brings me to the point about handling food. So, um, and also what we were talking about, you know, getting less sensitive to food, it, it also, it does seem that a lot of the issues that people have from food is more from their body, um, their metabolism not being up to speed as, as opposed to them not being used to certain foods. So it could be the case that in, in the beginning of recovery, it might be a good idea to just eat more simple foods. Even if you're just like uh, eating a lot of simple sugars, it's just completely fine. Just eat whatever you can handle. And at some point, once your metabolism's running more smoothly, then when you add into those other foods, your body, there's a good chance your body will handle that a lot better than it did whenever you're in a starved state. That's interesting. So would you recommend then, say for people who are on a carnivore diet trying to recover, they should push through some of the symptoms they're having from eating, um, you know, plant foods. Yeah. Well, I would say to, it might be a good idea to slowly transition. And, and I know it's not like, I didn't want to do that at the time. Cause I'm, I'm a, I like to do things in black. I'm a, I like to do things in black and white. There's no like gray area for me. Well, I'm more like that. I try to be <laughs> more open to, to that now, but 
at the time it was like, I'm either on this carnivore diet or I'm doing full mm-hmm. in recovery. And it, that might be a good idea to try, but if whatever is going to help you recover in the long term, it might be a good idea to slowly start adding some of those foods back in and see how you respond. But yeah. And so, so you're basically, um, were you counting your calories before this? Cause you talked a little bit about, um, you know, like eating, eating under maintenance. So were you during these six years, were you actively always tracking your caloric intake? I, I definitely the first few years. And then I got to the point where, you know, it's actually become pretty popular on, you know, the alternative health thing to focus more on, they call it like food quality than food quantity. So, but when they mean by quantity, they mean by avoiding, avoiding all kinds of different foods. So when I was fo- following more like the keto diet, most of the time I was just eating, uh, eating, like eating a little bit less than I thought I needed uh, a little bit under satiety, but yeah. So most of the time I wasn't really tracking calories, but yeah, but you were restricting in some way. So then when you state that you finally recovered, how do you define that moment? Well, I would say that it was the first time in six years where, I mean, this is, there's no like instant moment where I was like, Oh, I'm recovered. But just slowly over time, I mean, as far as I can remember for these past six years, like food really just uh, controlled my thoughts. Could, I, that's all I could really think about. Because when your body thinks it's starving, that's what it wants you to focus on. So, in fact, I can remember like in, in New York last summer, that was when I was doing the carnivore diet. Uh, I was walking past a garbage can full of stale bagels in the, the trash. And I remember thinking like how great it would be to, just, to be able to get those somehow and eat them. Like, and I had to circle around the block while I was telling myself, like, that's a bad idea. Like, what are you doing? So it's those kind of, like, thoughts that it really just controls your life. And, you know, now that I've been eating satiety, probably around two months into doing that, that's when I slowly started to lose those thoughts of food. And and what actually took a little longer is to lose the, the – that – that thought of wanting to try to restrict again, just slightly. And that was, that was biggest at the time where I was at my highest weight so when I was around 200. And that was when my, I was started, slowly starting to lose the thoughts of food, but then I was gaining that, that extra need to restrict. And that's when I had to basically tell myself like, no, you can't, you have to stick with this. And uh, okay. Cause it's definitely worth it to stick with it. Yeah. That's uh that's really good advice. I've struggled with the same thing where um, I'm, I'm improving, but then if I eat too much dessert one night, sometimes uh, for years, or at least over the past two, three years, I was tempted to intermittent fast the next day, but then I didn't feel good when I did the fasting. So I've learned to just say, you know what? No, I have to, for me personally, eat breakfast and be consistent about my meals to keep my stress low in this process of continual um, recovery. So, yeah, I think, uh, we've talked, covered a lot of ground today. I just want to, I guess, conclude with, uh, you stated that you are working on a book right now about the biology of eating disorders. So tell, tell me a bit about, I guess, your plans with that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I started writing on my website and I got good feedback. So I decided to start putting together a book and it's basically sums up a lot of my thoughts on how eating disorders relate to this lowered metabolic state and kind of just to get rid of some of these it's my goal is to really demystify eating disorders because a lot of people see them as simply just an emotional issue but in my opinion it's highly a physiological phenomenon that's going on like it's involves like hunger hormones and uh, hormones in general and not just brain chemistry issues and like negative thought patterns. So I guess that brings me to one last, one really important point is that when I, when I developed my eating disorder, that was one of the happiest times of my life. Like it wasn't, um, that like my original motivation to go on diets weren't to, um, 
or because I felt bad about my body image or anything like that. It's because I was in like this really big into self-improvement at the time. And I was trying to like reach certain goals and uh, almost trying to be more of a perfectionist type. So it's, so like, yeah, I think it's important to, that's why I'm trying to spread awareness to the fact that, you know, eating disorders are just, it's, you know, it's, it's more a biological process. Yeah. I, I know you stated in the beginning that, it was difficult to deal with the fact that you didn't reach your goals with that first diet because you slipped. And this goes beyond willpower. I mean, there's something physiological that really affects us. So it has nothing to do with someone not being motivated enough, someone not being, um, you know, 100% raw, 100% carnivore or raw enough or, or whatnot. Um, we're all affected by caloric restriction we can sense surplus deficits because of this hormonal mechanism that's been in place for millions of years. Um, well, yeah, that was really interesting. And uh, I think it's going to really resonate with a lot of people. So thanks for sharing um, your story. And uh, yeah, man, uh, thanks for coming on. And we'll be in touch. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it.